Welcome to Catch and Release, a podcast project undertaken by more than 100 English 12 students from Sir Winston Churchill Secondary in Vancouver, BC. In these episodes, you'll be hearing about their memories, big moments from their lives, their regrets, and their dealings with mental health. We hope that after catching these stories, you find a way to release what's holding you back. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Paper People. My name's Amir, and I will be your host for today's episode. Paper People is a podcast where we take a closer look at people in our lives. A common habit that individuals have been prone to committing without knowing is labeling others. For example, labeling your high school teacher as just a teacher and not considering him in other ways. That's how we create misconceptions on individuals. We're all human and we all have lives we, and we all make the similar kind of mistakes. And someone like a teacher is no different from a student at any point in time in their life. Today I have a special guest, in fact a teacher of mine, and we'll be taking a closer look at his life, specifically his regrets in life. Mr. Mose is a teacher at Sir Winston Churchill and he's also a substitute teacher in Vancouver. He's been my social studies teacher for about two years now and I've gotten to know him pretty well. So before we jump into the good stuff, why don't you tell us about yourself, Mr. Mose? My name is uh, Nathan Mose. I'm a teacher at Winston Churchill Secondary. I teach on day two, so it's a half-time position. And on the other days, I'm a substitute teacher in the Vancouver School District or the Vancouver School Board. I'm the youngest of six children born to Harry and Martha Mose. I grew up in Langley, BC, and I guess I considered a, a very uh, traditional uh, conservative Dutch religious household and community. Grew up in Langley my whole life, and uh, I went to, to church with uh, family and friends and whatnot. Went to school also at a private school for Dutch Christian kids. I graduated, did my undergraduate degree at the University of Fraser Valley in Abbotsford, and then did my bachelor's of education at UBC, and then began teaching. Who am I? I love to dance, I love to sing, I love to play music, and I love my girlfriend Sayaka Nakano. Thank you for that great intro. So now that we know who you are, let's jump in. So what did you think when I came to you and asked you, Mr. Mose, can I interview you? The topic is regret. Well, the first thing was I was thinking, why are you asking me? Do I portray <laughs> someone who has a full life of regrets? I mean, were there teachers who are like, I'm not going to go talk to that teacher because I don't think that teacher has regrets? Or did I just scream regret? It's not that I assumed you have a lot of regrets. I just, I just thought it would be easier to interview a teacher that I know better, if that makes sense. Now, to kind of break the ice, for this interview, would you be willing to give us some examples of your regrets? And it doesn't have to be like something really deep, but even things like high school, like you must have had some regrets. I can think of regrets that I still have from high school even. In the case of, for me, I, I played basketball throughout high school and I think in grade 11 or 12, I can't remember which one, I think it was grade 12, I decided I wasn't going to play. I could make the team and be on the bench, but I was like, no, I want to do something else with my time. And I still kind of regret, regret that. And 
I, I feel like I, I had a lot more potential and if I had the self-discipline uh, to really train, I could have been a good basketball player. And I kind of feel like I was a little bit lazy and was like, meh, uh, and, which was kind of my attitude as a teenager in general. But I don't regret my overall meh attitude as a teenager. Just a few instances like that one where I'm like, ah, oh, what could it have been? Because even now as a teacher, I'll go watch like provincial basketball games and I love basketball, yeah. I love high school sports. And to think like, ah, oh, maybe I, maybe I could have done something. That would have been kind of neat. So now I just live my dreams through my students. So you did have regrets. That's, that's nice to know. Okay, not nice, but for my purpose here, that's good. Now I want you to think about this next question, which I'm about to ask you is, do you regret things that you didn't do more or regret things you did do? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I think you, I do regret more things that I didn't do overall. But I remember when you came to me about this, to talk about this and say, Mr. Mose, are you, are you, would you be willing to be interviewed? Um, I would say my biggest regret that mm -hmm. came to mind was something that I did and yeah. I kind of wished I hadn't, um, which is, I think, rare for most people. I think yeah. most people, they they regret that they didn't ask the girl out. You know, They mm -hmm. regret that they didn't have the confidence to do this. Um, and often it's regrets of not doing things because oftentimes when we do it, we learn something from it and we can we end up viewing it as a positive, I think. Are you willing to tell us your biggest regret? Sure, I'll be weeping by the end and you'll have to comfort me. But uh, no, I think it's, it's been an interesting one and, and I, I don't mind talking openly about it because I think it's important for people to hear stories as well. Mm -hmm. um, when I first started teaching, I went up to Northern BC and I taught in Dees Lake, a really tiny town of 400 yeah. people. It was a really isolated place. There wasn't. There was a grocery store, a post office, and a restaurant, and that was really essentially it. Uh, an ice arena, really, really small. And if we wanted to go anywhere bigger, we'd have to travel maybe six hours south to Smithers or six hours north to Whitehorse. There's a couple places in between if you're driving, but really you had to you had to drive to yeah, get you anywhere. Yeah, really get out. Yeah. And anyways, so it was really really stressful teaching and and. Um, I'm teaching a lot of students uh, from First Nations background who have experienced profound trauma in yeah. their lives uh, due to a legacy of residential schools, and it was really challenging teaching. And I I survived for two years, and I was I was really happy because I was that was my goal. And I, I guess when I was up there, it was incredibly frustrating. I really didn't like it, but now I look back on it, and I, I look back on it quite fondly. But my next step was I said, okay, well, I want to teach all, all high school. And, and I had a friend who was teaching overseas in China, mm -hmm. uh, at BC International School there. And I decided to go there. And already I was like, I think my body was, was quite exhausted from, from kind of being near burnt out just yeah. from teaching up north and was challenging teaching. But I went there and I, the experience didn't meet my expectations for what I thought I was getting into. Um, and I found the school to be a bit of a farce and um, I was really challenged because I felt like that my students were wonderful but they weren't in a position to succeed and so I'd have students who'd be um, 
in my grade 10 class, the grade 10 to 12 program to get a dogwood diploma, mm -hmm. who, who didn't really have the skills to be there. And I started to wonder why, and I started to do some investigating, and I found their entrance exam, which consisted of questions like, Mary had a little lamb. Was Mary's lamb little, tall, or small? And I thought, well, no wonder they're having trouble understanding the differences between representative democracy and, and first path. Like, they're not a, they're not set up to succeed, and I got really angry because the students were wonderful, but it seemed like the institution was just interested in taking as much money as they could from from students and parents who didn't know any better, and selling them this idea that they're going to get a BC uh, diploma when they're not actually properly supporting that child's education. Mm -hmm. And I got really, really bitter about it. Um, to the point where like, I was not sleeping and I'd be calling my father up at 4 o'clock in the morning and I was crying and, I, and now when I think about it I think well why couldn't you have just said who cares and, and just let it slide off your back and do your best and go home and I don't know why and I just kind of got into a total spiral and I had a nervous breakdown and had to leave uh, halfway through the year so when I came back home I think all of like all all of my life's decisions and how I got to this point were just like were bitter to me. Like what yeah. what have I done? Like my mind's broken. I feel so profoundly broken. Um, and here I am. I'm like 27 years old. I'm single again. Like my mind's broken. How am I going to fix myself? I feel. Yeah. Why did I go there? You know, if I would have just stayed home, I, like, I'd be healthy and whole. Yeah. But, um, and that was a really challenging time of my life. And uh, I was seeing a counselor and seeing a doctor and psychologist. And when I think about it now, I, uh, it seems like a different person. Like I, yeah. I, I, I've gotten a lot of good help, and I've taken a lot of proactive decisions to to improve my mental health and so it seems strange looking back on that time and it does feel like a, I don't know exactly again how to get into that mindset of how I was there but um, partly I'm I still however have the lingering kind of effects of that event and that breakdown and um, in many ways I still feel that I'm not like who I was before you changed I've changed I've I was broken, and I got patched up, and I got patched up pretty well. But you can see, I can feel that I've been patched up in a way that, that still I kind of regret, and I kind of just wish, I wish I didn't have to get patched up, and feel that way, and feel just a little bit weaker and fragile than I was, you know, five years ago, and that, still, bothers me yeah. a little bit. Wow, that was pretty emotional. Thank you for sharing that. It's not uh, it's not an easy thing to do. I think that it kind of relates to a point which this podcast focuses on, and that's the the thin layer we put on people that kind of covers them and makes you uh, makes us blind to the reality that they have hardships that they go through as well. And as a student, I wouldn't think something like that would affect a teacher. I normally you would think of, oh, they have so much stuff to mark, or 
they have to teach us in an interesting way, but nothing like that ever comes to mind, and that's that's really interesting. And it must have been really tough to handle that whole process of coping with it afterwards. So what did you do to help yourself with that whole healing process? I mean, if we actually talk about it, it was it was it was seeing a counselor. It was taking a very mild antidepressant, which just took the edge off enough that I could I could tackle the day and, and make decisions. Yeah. And so I still feel totally like myself, which is great because I was worried about having to take medications um, where I feel completely myself, but I was able to like to get out and go to my dance lesson. Mm-hmm. Whereas before it was really, really hard. Again, it's hard to understand what that, that, that mindset of where I was, but it was hard to get out and, and, and do something during my day. So um, all of these kind of things and dance was really, really healing for me in terms of providing like uh, physical activity. So it's like, a, like getting your heart rate up and uh, physical touch. So you're just connecting with another human being. You get a community of people. And then I think one of the most important things was every week I'd have something new that I was going to learn that was challenging, but it's achievable. Mm-hmm. It wasn't too easy, it wasn't too hard. It was like, okay, I can go to this lesson, I can try this out, and then I can go social dancing. Yeah. yeah, and so that was, I felt really kind of a bit more purposeful. Um, and I think part of it too is, is, is really kind of, I, when, I, when I speak with my doctor as well, it, he's a wonderful old Jewish man, and he gave birth to me, uh, with my mother, obviously. Um, but he's someone who will talk philosophically with me. And it's not just about prescribing medication or um, yeah, taking a pill. It's like, hey, like Nathan, this might not ever go away. You might feel anxious for the rest of your life. You may experience discomfort, physical discomfort or physical manifestations of that, that anxiety for the rest of your life. What are you going to do about it? Are, can you find a way to still live a meaningful, purposeful life despite the fact that you suffer? And I think that mindset was really important for me to be like, I, I, yeah, I want, I want to get rid of this. I want to, feel, I want to feel back to the way I was. I want to feel not patched up. I don't want to feel anxious. And it's like, well, maybe this is just who you are to some extent. Partly, maybe there are reasonable things to be anxious about in the world. What's, what's the normal way to feel about yeah. a world that is full of all sorts of things that are, mm-hmm. would make you angry and frustrated and depressed? But hey, like, there's other people who might... I, I think I got to a point where I'm like, there's other people who suffer much worse than me. Yeah. Um, and if this is like my burden to bear, it's... I can learn to live with this. I can learn to still have a meaningful, meaningful, purposeful life and find the joy in the things that, that bring me joy and bring joy to others. If I can do that, then there's other stuff that are, that, yes, I'm, I'm sad. I'm sad that I'm not the same and I regret those decisions, but um, kind of learning to live in a world that is kind of broken and in which suffering is a reality, I think having a doctor that understood that and was able to communicate that to me was very, very helpful. And you let it go, or is it still? I mean, I'd like to say that I let it go. I more try not to dwell on it. If I think about it, Mm -hmm. 
So it's still there. It's still there. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'd love to take that back. I think I would. As long as I get to keep my girlfriend and I still learn how to dance at some point in my life, you know? Like, we don't know the course of our lives, but obviously, like, I, I, I want to do a lot of things yeah. that I learned after that, but uh, gosh, yeah, like, I'd, I'd love it if that didn't happen. But it did. And so it's kind of like, God dang, nabbit. Okay, well, let's make the best with what we got. But I still don't like it. But maybe that's the process anyways. Yeah. In many ways, I think sometimes, um, like I said, it, it is a regret, but I don't want to kind of coat it with a silver lining. Like, we do, we do learn things from it. And yeah. I think it's made me more understandable of, of other people who have had mental health issues and a little bit more compassionate in that way than maybe I would have been before because I didn't understand that I hadn't been through that. Maybe I hadn't gone to those darkest places to be able to walk someone else through it or to encourage someone along. So, yes, there's wonderful richness that has come from it. Still prefer I wouldn't have to do it, though, you know. (laughs) But would you say it, like, shaped you into a better person? Oh, you're really going for the, the, the happy ending. I mean, yes, I do. Yeah. I mean, or it developed you in a certain way. Yeah, I mean, it changed me, and it didn't make me bitter. So that's good, you know. Um, And it's not like, but again, I I wouldn't want to think of myself as before not being good. Yeah, I was great. Yeah, yeah, I I was great, and I'd love to be more compassionate, but still have that unbroken, unpatched up mind, kind of in my mind. Uh, is but it, like, is this experience like what got you into dance? Not directly, not directly. I danced because I was on a date and there was this girl who wanted to dance and she didn't know how to dance either and I didn't know how to dance so and I thought, well, this is lame, I should know how to dance, it's just what a person should do. And I think it came from the fact, I'm like, ah, I'm single, I'm 27 years old, I, I grew up in a community where everyone gets married early, so mm-hmm. I'm going to learn how to do this. I'm just going to learn how to be like the perfect gentleman, then I'll find someone. Uh, but then I just turned out that I just love dancing and it was just so, so, so fun and, yeah. and, uh, and I don't want to think of it. I don't just dance as a therapy, but uh, dance is yeah, fun. Dance is fun, but it hobby. happens to be therapeutic yeah. as well. So yeah, it's like an art hobby where you like get to express yourself, and yeah. also like you get to feel yeah better. Yeah. Do you do anything else like that? Like I've heard that you have like a band or a <laughs> musical group. <laughs> um, it's funny. Just last night, um, me and the drummer that I used to play with, we just got together and just started jamming a little bit. Um, I don't play in my band anymore, so that ended about, actually almost like 2011, 2012 when I started teaching full-time. I still sing in a choir. That's also uh, a way to express yourself and to be unified with a whole bunch of people all in the same wavelength, which is really neat. And I picked up running this past fall, Um, and I have just did my first 10K race this past weekend, and I love that too. And so these are the kind of things that in my mind, like, I think of, I'm happy with go back to like taking medication or things like that mm-hmm. I feel like I've got to the point where um, yes I might take medication but I think my decisions of getting regular physical activity and running mm-hmm. is good for me I feel that regular dancing and expressing myself and being in connection with other people is really healing I think that singing in the choir is really healing 
Uh, I think that uh, I can't remember the last one that I was gonna do. Running, dancing, choir, having, finding love has been really, really feeling. And how, so I think how's like your girlfriend like helped you? And not exclusively to your like the past, but just in general. Like um, how how has it changed your life? I, it changes. Your life just becomes a life that's shared, and and everything good that happens to you is something you want to share with, with somebody. With other person. Yeah, and it's it's exciting that it happened to you, but you're almost just as excited to tell mm. the other person uh, on that that kind of journey with you. You get to share it. Yeah, and I think for a long time I think I was fairly lonely, and I didn't have that kind of uh, that one person. I think it changes when you get older too, as other people get married and you start to lose a lot of um, your peers that you... Your friends. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where it's like, oh gosh, well, everyone's, everyone's moving on and then you don't have the, that, that connection. And so that's been really beautiful to have that with her. And she's, but she's also in, incredibly supportive and non-judgmental. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been really, really helpful. So just even talking about... Uh, I, I mean, first explaining my story of how how I am, who I am, and maybe some of the challenges that I've experienced or the regrets that I've had, and explaining that to her. But then also, like, um, it's funny too, where I try not to when I talk when I connect that back to you know Saya with maybe my regrets or how I I feel. It goes back more to what I spoke about with my doctor, where it's like, yeah, it's about moving on. It's about spending time with her and. It's not about her healing me or yeah. her, me, you or her healing me or me healing her. It's about just doing life together and not letting the the suffering or the frustrations of life kind of drag both of us down. Mm -hmm. But to kind of embrace the joys of dancing, embrace exploring a city with someone else, uh, going to museums together, going to art galleries, going to science world together. You yeah. know, without for me, for me, it's not letting my uh, say any um, like physical frustrations that I have with my body to get in the way of that or, or any mental frustrations mm -hmm. and, and and being with someone and exploring a city like that uh, sometimes it distracts you from your regrets mm -hmm. and your pain which is really wonderful that's actually a really good point and I think that not many people actually see it in that way when two people are helping each other so we're actually going to take a little break and I'm going to use this time to let you guys listen to some of the music that Mr. Mose created with his band back in the day. So uh, it'll be a short clip and we'll be right back.
we're back. I will be really honest. I was not expecting uh, the music that you made to be good, but that was actually a really good song. I think I think I'll be listening to that. Do that song on spot? Is it on Spotify? Hopefully it is. So let's get back to the uh, the deep stuff. Um. So you've been actually teaching at Churchill for a while now. I'm curious, do you have any like regrets that you've had at this school in particular? Uh, one time, I was subbing here before I was working here. And oh, so it's like a, your visit here. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was, and uh, I made a cahoot for the students. Yeah because they were just doing some worksheets and I thought, okay, well, once I do the worksheets, I'll just type up a kahoot based upon the questions that they're working on and that'll be a way to kind of like cap off the, the day. And I noticed the teacher had some chocolates, some small chocolates, and I said, okay, I can give those as prizes, you know? Yes. Anyways, I gave them as prizes and I got a fiery email from that teacher <laughs> who was real pissed off. She about didn't the know, chocolates. She about the chocolates and she didn't know how I was going to, where she was going to get the chocolates to, to replace like them. Like no, they were like Halloween chocolates, but oh. somehow she believed that Halloween chocolates couldn't, you can't buy small chocolates anytime except Halloween or something. I don't know. But then I, I did make another mistake in that classroom and I left a tea bag in her cup. So I was just, <laughs> lots of regret there, and I've always tried to avoid that teacher ever since. <laughs> <laughs> Is that teacher in the school? I'm not going to say. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> See, this kind of stuff goes on. Like, you have no idea, yeah. you know. I'm sure, there's all sorts of teachers got all sorts of beefs, you know. How, like, have you subbed a lot as a teacher? Quite a lot, yeah. How do you any do you notice anything different from the students when yeah. you're as a sub and a regular teacher? Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, one, you can notice totally different school cultures. Yeah. There are some schools that I do not like to go to. Mm. Like, there's just a vibe from them where I'm like, ugh, this just reeks of... Like, the students are just, like, everything? Mostly the students. Okay. But I think teachers and administrations can shape the way students interact yeah. and, 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 and are. And so there's some schools that I actually will be like, no, I'm not going to go there. I don't like the attitude of a lot of students, and they're very dismissive. Uh, obviously, maybe if I was a, a regular teacher there, they'd be a bit different, mm -hmm. but I think... Um, the way we treat strangers is a good indication of the type of people we are sometimes. <laughs> and uh, sometimes it kind of uh, doesn't hit the mark. Um. So I kind of want to move away from the whole aspect of you as a person being a teacher and your regrets in that, your career, your field. And I want to know like, what kind of personal regrets do you have that aren't really connected to what you do for a living. So it's more connected to you as a person. And I'm not saying that what you told us as one of your biggest regrets is not, um, not applicable in the situation, but in that scenario you were teaching. So I was wondering if you could tell us something where you weren't a teacher and you regretted something. One, I mean, I remember an event in grade six. Um, There's a student in that class, and um, 
he was a student who struggled academically. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, and and he, so he had some some uh, intellectual disabilities, but um, he's totally like capable of, of, of passing all his courses, and he did, and he graduated, and whatever else. I don't know how to describe this in a more sensitive way. Um, just had some difficulty, some difficulty for processing skills and, and whatnot. So he was just a bit slower than the rest of the class. Of all. Um, and I remember, I remember we picked on him a lot. And he was such a great sport, played tons of, ton, played lots of sports as well. Um, never really let it get to him. But I, I specifically remember being like in grade six PE class. And I was a pretty good basketball player. Mm-hmm. So I was better than him at that time. But then I, I was just determined to like block every single one of his shots. I don't even know why, like to, to, to humiliate him or something. I don't, it's just an ugly memory. Mm-hmm. And I remember just like making a big deal of it, like tracking him around, essentially just trying to humiliate my peer. And I hate that vision of myself. Was it like, I don't want to delve into it too much, but was it just only on the court or? It was predominantly related to sports. Okay. From what I can remember. I almost think quite a lot. And I think sports was something that gave me, I was good at. Mm -hmm. And it did give me some power in some ways. Like one of the better basketball players, better soccer players, etc. It's like I wasn't bullied. Mm-hmm. I wasn't mistreated by my family. I had five brothers, but they were pretty good to me, you know? And it's one of those things where it's like, why, why would you do that? It's just so needlessly cruel. Um, and I'm, you know, 32 years old and I can still remember that. I mean, you were pretty young, though. I'll still remember when I'm 40. No, I mean like in the, when it happened. I know. Yeah. I am a young kid and kids do stupid things, but it's still just like, what was, what, 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 was going on? what possessed me to, to think that that was, was okay or, or, or that, what was I trying to do, you know? Um, yeah, I really regret it actually. Have you received any of that? Like, have you been, ever been on the receiving end in any way? I don't think so. That's one of the things. I'm like, I, I there's no reason for me to like, not that there would be a reason for me to do it, but that it's not I was being, I, I was being hurt, so I wanted to hurt somebody else. Like, it was a pretty, pretty pleasant upbringing um, and treated pretty well by most people yeah. around me. And that's what is just so strangely cruel about that incident in my mind or other incidents just like, you know, like, whether, whether it was you're playing bump and you're like, he's not going to get me out, you know? Like, she's like, get over the camp. I don't, yeah. I, I don't, it's, it's strange. I don't, don't want to explain like this, this yeah, yeah. great mystery or something. I'm just saying like, bothers me. Where it was just so unnecessary, so needless, so petty, so stupid. 
but that would absolutely hurt somebody for no I can't imagine what gain it would give me you know what was the first time you like you look back on it and just reflected oh I, I by high school I was already you were looking back on it yeah and my relationship with him changed a lot um and is much kinder and much more inten intentionally kind as well. Doesn't take away what I did, but it, it, I think by then I already realized that, that that was not who I wanted to be. And did you deal with that the same way as your different situation? <laughs> I did you accept it, or is it still? Because these are sometimes like, I sometimes I wonder if I still should should reach out to him. Because these these two different situations, like you, yeah. the first one you told me is like, it's it's huge, it's life changing, and mm -hmm. this one's very, it's not small, but like, it it's less like impact, but it's still. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I I feel like in many ways I don't. I I still feel like I should I should talk to him. About that event or just and related like kind of events where I, th I feel like he would have felt um, targeted and in some ways I feel like I haven't really put it to rest because yeah. I haven't made that conversation which I think I should have but it also seems like a little bit much but I think about it I'll think about it a couple times a year probably not necessarily like, I'm going to go message him but like I yeah. think about this situation and who I, I don't know what brings it up. I get interviewed three times a year about regret. No, I don't. But like it, but it comes up, and uh, so I don't think I really have kind of put it to, or, or or dealt with it in some ways. Yeah, it's that feeling of not living up to to the type of person that you want to be. Um, it's kind of disappointment mm -hmm. more than like anger or frustration. Kind of a certain sad like true kind of sadness like this is not the best that a human should be or this is not the best that anything should be you're better than that that kind of thing mm -hmm. yeah it's that feeling of not living up to to the type of person that you want to be um, it's kind of disappointment mm -hmm. more than like anger or frustration kind of a certain sad like true kind of sadness like this is not the best that a human should be or this is not the best that anything should be you're better than that that kind of thing yeah um i think that feeling you describe right now is it's quite universal and we all kind of connect to it in one way or another we all go through these these major regrets and climb out of them in similar ways. I'm glad that you could share your story with us today. It was really it was really emotional and pretty inspiring to be honest. So I'd like to thank you for telling us your stories and letting us interview you and also using your music. All of the music in this episode by the way is music that Mr. Mose and his band has created. So thank you everyone for listening to Paper People, and I hope that you think about people in your lives a little differently now.
still the strings, not so much in the dark, the hazy eyes of hearts don't try.